morning, everybody. Hope everybody's well. Happy Tuesday for those that are here uh, live. For those of you here any day of the week, thanks so much for being here. It's an honor to be together on the show. We've been talking about this idea of uncomfortable speech. That's sort of the world we're in right now, being uncomfortable. And I hope this is happening for you, for those that have been with me for at least for the past few weeks. Thank you. Whenever you're with me, thank you. But in particular, for the past few weeks, I'll tell you what I'm trying to accomplish so you can tell me if you're getting it or not. I'm trying to make you uncomfortable. Like I'm trying to get to a place that when you listen, you think of something that makes you feel uncomfortable. When we spoke yesterday about that, this idea of being uncomfortable in your speech, that's an uncomfortable thing. Think about someone in your life that you would love to tell what you think. Think about somebody in your work, in your life, that you would love to have appropriately, not tell off. We're not doing that. We're not telling off. We're not like, we're not in, in an alleyway. We don't operate like that. I mean, have a conversation with. That's legit. That expresses how you feel about something. That shares the disconnect that you feel to them. Like we have people that can't handle that. I would say many or most people just can't handle those conversations. But imagine if like you could do that. Think about that person. And imagine if I told you, go do that, which I'm not going to. But imagine if I did. Like for a second, imagine right now I told you, pick someone in your house, in your life that you need to have the conversation, like a real conversation with. That's not going to be so comfortable. That emotion, if you do it right, is going to make you feel uncomfortable. And that's good. Because the more you feel uncomfortable, the more you get comfortable feeling uncomfortable. And the more you get comfortable feeling comfortable, the more you are now walking, if you will, a few steps into the darkness because you can't find the next level light until you walked in the darkness. I told you the story from my rabbi, Rabbi Weinberger. He told me this once years ago, I was making a career shift. I was taking a leap, if you will, of faith. And I was leaving a more secure job that to a more uh, entrepreneurial one. And I went to him for advice and he gave me one of the greatest, um, Advice, he says, you know, if you ever look at a ladder, I think I did this here. I'm sure I did this here, but you ever look at a ladder and how a ladder is built? It's a rung that's secure, followed by a hole that is the most insecure thing you could possibly think. Think about being on a ladder, like, you know, 50 feet in the air, <laughs> and you're climbing the ladder. The rung. And if you move your foot in the wrong place, you're through the you're you're through it. It's the abyss. There's no like middle on the ladder. You're either safe and secure or you're fell into the abyss. That's life, he said. The only way to get to the next level of security in your life is if you're willing to walk through over the abyss. Right, walking through the discomfort and being in the room that's uncomfortable for a while 
that experience is valuable because it's going to allow you to learn how to keep walking until you find the next level of security. When you have people in your life that you need to talk to positively or constructively, and you don't, one of two things happens. Either you grow up and the issue that you had really wasn't an issue. It only manifested as an issue because there was an issue with you. And by not having the conversation and by allowing time to go on, it solved itself. Or it festers and it gets into your head. And you look at that person differently and then you slowly fall apart. Families do this, unfortunately, too often small nuances. I had this with somebody, a close friend of mine was worried that one of his children was becoming too religious. I don't know if anyone's had this before. There's concern that one of his kids was becoming too religious. And I said, what bothers you about that? Will you be concerned that your kid is becoming too wealthy? You yourself respect religion. It's one thing if you didn't believe. It's one thing like if you thought the whole thing was made up. Okay, I disagree, but I understand. You think it's not true and your kid, fine, it's anything. It's like, you know, you're a, you're a Yankee fan and he becomes a Boston fan. I got it. You yourself are very much connected to the religion. You yourself are very big. And now the kid is getting more active in the religion and you're like going out of your mind. Like what's up? You're you're like a good Yankee fan and he's becoming like a diehard Yankee fan. Like, so it begins with, well, you know, it's this and it's that. And where it ends is I don't want it to break up my family. I don't want it to break up my family. I'm like, why would it break up your family? Well, he can't eat here and he can't eat here. I'm like, your family is based on food? Like the, the bedrock of your family is what gets served on Sunday morning brunch? Like bagels, that's the core. If I looked into your family, the bedrock would be which bagel store? Like for real? Nah, my wife's cook. Really? Your wife's kid? Let me tell you something. Families are based on interpersonal relationships. If your family is weak, anything's going to break it apart. Food, you don't look like me. You're, You're threatening me. Because you do this, it must mean that I'm not enough. You know what all that stuff is? That's called interpersonal problems. It's not religion that's the issue. I know families where their kids are two different planets religiously. They love each other. Does everyone eat everyone's food? No. Do you need to eat someone else's food to love somebody? No. Even Jews. 
could possibly love someone else without having to consume all the carbs in the person's house. And the family is strong. Someone's personal practice. And what if the kid was became celiac? Would you be like thrown because you can't have gluten? And you'd be like, oh, forget it. Like, how? Oh my gosh, the kids, see, I can't believe it. Like, my whole family is destroyed because my wife loves cooking pasta. And what are you talking about? What if the kid gets an allergy? Is food the issue? When your family's, when the family bonds are tenuous, any stress will break them. Why? It's because a lot of families don't want to have conversations. Period. A lot of families don't know how to like sit down and talk in a way that's deeper than just like, how was your day without it being a fight? It's either like, how was your day? Or we're fighting and not talking. Like having a conversation about what's bothering me and not from a place of I'm accusing you, but like, let's figure this out so we can get closer because you're a good person. I'm a good person and I want to be closer to you. So like, what's up? Can we just look at this together? You know, this is what we'd say in, in the Talmudic thought that we do this whenever you study Talmud with somebody. Usually, if, you ever, if, you've, if you've ever done this before, you really should. If you've never seen the inside of a study hall, just Google it, I guess. If, I don't even know if it's Googleable. But like, if you look at like Lakewood, in, in Lakewood, in New Jersey, for those who live in America, in New Jersey, there's a yeshiva called Base Medrash Gavoa, BMG. If you walk into that place during certain hours, there are thousands of people studying Talmud. It's really something the eye can only like. You're, if you'd walk into a, I went to Columbia for law school. When I walked into the Columbia library and there were hundreds of students studying, you can hear a pin drop. There were hundreds of students for finals studying law. A pin drop. Maybe whispers. When you walk into the Talmudic academy, if you will, studying Jewish law. You can't even hear yourself think. They're yelling at each other, yelling at each other. You think that's the what, what, what it's saying? You think this is what it's saying? What do you? That's not what it's saying. What are you kidding me? They're yelling at each other. They love each other. They're best friends. Their wives are home to all. They're best friends. Their kids are playing in, in, in the garden. Their kids may be married to each other. But when you open up that book and you got to figure out what's going on, and you're dealing with timeless lessons that have been around for 2,000 years, and you got to crack it open, you're not accepting some weak argument. It's freedom to express yourself. And that's how they understand. That's, that's how the tradition gets passed. It gets passed through healthy conflict. It gets passed when you can talk to somebody and say that you disagree with them. And they're not like, what? You disagree with me? Now I'm going to be passive aggressive to you for the next two years. So when I see you at a wedding, I'm going to chill like, huh, how are you doing? And I avoid you. And then I got to feel terrible for the next two years until we both forget about it or something else comes into our world that can distract us from the ridiculous argument we had two years ago when we really should have just been adults and talked it through. Oh, I can't express myself because that's going to mean we're fighting. Got it. Let me just keep it to myself. That's not... It's the religion that's breaking up the family. Sure. It's mom's cooking. That's what's, the, that's what's driving the hole in the family. Because otherwise, everyone was wonderful together. 
We have one life. And we have a job to create real, meaningful relationships. And if you're a human being, you're not going to fit perfectly into any other Lego piece. Just not how it works. If you're married, you're not fitting cleanly into your spouse. What are you, joking me? That's the craziest thing. Only Hollywood has it go happily ever after when they walk away from the picture-perfect ceremony. Only in Hollywood. And you see what happens in Hollywood to the actual actors when they're done with the movie set. And they live in La La Land. Divorce lawyers make good money in those zip codes. In real life, Taking two people and making them one is a difficult game. Marriage, friendship, family is difficult. Having a healthy family is difficult. Raising children is difficult because you have to shave the holes of your Lego piece and somehow fit them to the contours of someone else's Lego piece so that it fits together. And when it does, the electricity can flow through and you go, we are one. That's hard. And it doesn't happen if I can't understand you better. And it doesn't happen if when I don't understand something or I'm hurt by something, I have to always avoid conflict. I'm sitting with companies in which you get into a room and you can barely get out the truth in the, in the, in the executive committee. These guys are adults, successful adults, and they can't even say across the table, I don't think you should be in charge of this division because here's my reason. They, they have to like give each, they, they text each other like little kids. They text, these are adults. They text each other under the table as someone's talking and everybody sees them. Everybody sees the eyes like going like, nah, look at your phone. And then someone looks at his phone and, goes, and the two of them are like, and I'm thinking to myself, are you guys, are you guys out of your minds? You don't have the guts to stand up and say, I disagree with you. I think we're doing it wrong. Like, What in the world are we talking about? You're sitting in a family? You don't have the guts to call your family member over? Go for a cup of coffee and go, let's talk this thing out. What's going on? How come this, what do you think? Let's just figure this out. We're family. You want to always have uncomfortable Thanksgivings? You want to always have uncomfortable Pesach Seders forever? We can't just talk. I got to like be passive aggressive with you because you didn't invite me somewhere. So I didn't invite you somewhere. What the heck is going on over here? Am I four years old? Do you have any families are like this? Until someone gets sick. That's the, the, then they get sick. And when everyone gets sick, different. Now everyone's sick. Now someone's sick. Now everyone's best friends. Sure. Everyone's hugging and kissing in shit houses. But at weddings, it's a different game. Why do we do this for? Why do we do this for? You know why? Because we don't know how to have relationships. We don't know how to have real conversations. 
and we don't want to be uncomfortable. And it's much more comfortable to like text your friend. You see what so-and-so is doing? Then just actually talk to so-and-so about it or to actually spend, I don't know, a day thinking through your thoughts and saying, hey, is it me? Is it them? Is it me? Who has a day to invest in my brain? I'm so busy with this world and scrolling through nothing. I have a day to like invest in my own brain so that I can discern between feelings that are things that hurt me and feelings that are really me being a child. That's hard. I got to think. I got to like think about like, what is it that's driving me? Is it my ego? Did they really hurt me? Am I being too sensitive? Really think that through? That's hard stuff. That's uncomfortable. Driving in a car for an hour and thinking, wait, like what's driving me? What's driving me? Sitting with somebody and they say their point and you, you ever, you ever do this with somebody? You ever have this, this with somebody? You ever sit with someone in a conversation and, you, and you're upset at something and they say their points and then you, you, it dawns on you that they're right? Do you ever have this? I feel like I'm, you're going to answer me back. Do you ever like have this? Maybe the people that are on the chat will. Do you ever like this has ever happened to you where like you're sitting in a conversation with somebody and you're like, you're saying your point and as you're saying your point, you're go, they're, they're responding to you and you're going, oh man, they're right. I was insensitive. And then you have to make like a choice, either stop and go, no, you're right. You're right. My bad. Or you got to respond with no, but, or no, but, or, and then like you just kick up enough dust for the conversation to like feel incomplete. And then everyone goes their own way. Why do we do that for? It's because it's uncomfortable to be wrong. You remember a few weeks ago, we spoke about this idea of what's the most important thing in your life, the relationship or yourself, right? The team or me, the community or me, and we're always vacillating between who is the center of my world. I'm going to give you a litmus test today. Whenever you're in a situation where you feel you can build something, but it's going to be uncomfortable and you choose not to, you know that the center of your life in this particular area is yourself. Because when you choose not to be uncomfortable at the expense of something greater, you're choosing yourself. And that's our choice every single day. That's what great living is. Uncomfortable speech. Great living is knowing that you never choose yourself over the relationship. You always choose the relationship. And there are people that don't know this. There are people that become a religious and make everybody crazy because they're terrorizing people with religion happens all the time. There are people that terrorize their families because they're in charge because they happen to be making the money or they happen to be the mom or the kid. Yeah. And there are people that are as 
much as you try, they're not coming to you. It's not happening. But I got to tell you that when you know you've done everything, and by the way, sometimes it's not saying anything yet. It's just thinking first for days before you open your mouth. But when you know that you're willing to be uncomfortable for somebody else, even if they're not uncomfortable back, you know in your heart you did everything possible. And that's our job, to do everything that we can, to be, great, to be as great as we can. And sometimes it'll respond back and it'll fit like a two pieces. And sometimes it won't. And sometimes it'll take 10 years. Ask those that are raising teenagers. Sometimes it takes, pl- for the moms and dads that are raising teenagers, you keep on trying. Sometimes it takes 20 years so they go, well, by the way, mom, dad, you're right. But it's worth it because living great is a choice you make every single day. And you know you're making it when you're willing to be uncomfortable. All right. Think about this today. Don't make any calls yet. If you want, you can. Please do. But think about it. Think about our lives. Think about who in the world that a really deep conversation with that may be uncomfortable would change our relationship. Before we do anything, let's start getting getting a little uncomfortable. That'll be good for us. All right. Have a great day, everybody. With God's help, I cannot wait to see you again tomorrow. Have a great day.